Hey y'all, it's Carmen. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. I'm so glad that you are here with me. This is week six of a series of episodes entitled Safety Sense, the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer for spiritual safety. This series is full of biblical details and instructions on how the Holy Spirit is a help to the believer, how he is a counselor, our paraclete, which means the one close beside making the calls. He is the one God has given us to keep us spiritually safe in a very spiritually unsafe world. We have already discussed how the Holy Spirit can function as our pre-collision system, helping us determine objects or pedestrians in our path and helping us and alerting us to break when necessary basically helping us to avoid a spiritual collision. And how he also functions as our lane departure alert, helping us to stay in the quote lane God put us in, and to also help in gently and safely merging into new lanes when God asks us to make a move. The Holy Spirit can also function as our automatic high beams, shining a bright light of truth into the dark paths we may find ourselves. This function also allows us to shine bright as we hold out the gospel to those in darkness. The Holy Spirit is also our blind spot monitor, helping us see areas of potential danger in and around us. He will help us in seeing those and avoiding them. Today, we will look at a different function of the Holy Spirit. I am using the safety system in my Toyota car as the illustration to help us better understand how the Holy Spirit works to keep us spiritually safe. Let's get going. Back in the early 2000s, my sister Kara and her husband lived in Wisconsin for several years. My brother-in-law's job took them there. They set up camp for a bit longer than expected but it was always fun for me to visit. I was in college and had the freedom to travel, and on breaks from school, I would hop a plane and head north. I did just that one Christmas break. They had been living in Wisconsin for a couple of years, and I had yet to visit in the winter months. Since I lived in middle Georgia all of my life and hardly ever saw snow, I thought I would really love Wisconsin in December all the snow and all the winter activities there were to do. So one of my cousins and I went there the week before Christmas. My sister and brother-in-law had planned so many fun winter activities. I was very excited to experience all that was in store, ice skating, skiing, and snowmobiling. Well, we ventured out one evening to go skiing. It was a pretty clear night, but there had been some snow and ice in the days leading up to that outing. My brother-in-law drove us to the ski mountain. He found a parking spot and turned his wheel to navigate into the parking space. But before he could get parked, he lost control and we slipped on the ice and collided with the parked car in front of us. There was not enough traction between the ground and the tires to provide the weight of the car, the stability it needed to be safely put in place. That should have been an indication to me of how the rest of the night would go. Let's just say I did more rolling down 
the mountain than skiing, and I think there was more snow in my ski pants than was on the slopes. By the time I got to the bottom of the mountain on my one and only trip down it, my poor brother-in-law had to rescue me from the trees. I could not even stay on the slope. But I digress. It was an icy situation that night, and we needed traction. Traction. In our spiritual lives, when we find ourselves in icy situations or muddy situations, when we feel like we are slipping or we feel like we are stuck, the Holy Spirit is present to help us get traction. To obtain traction in your car on a treacherous stretch of road, you need all four tires to be on the road's surface and engaged for action to get the traction needed to move forward to continue going. In the safety sense system, there is a function that will aid your car and tires in being engaged to gain traction. It's the all-wheel drive function. Before we get into that, let's discuss the definition of traction. Traction is a state of tension created by such a pulling force, adhesive friction of a body on a surface. So now that we know that, let's get back to my car. If I push the all-wheel drive lock switch, what is going to happen? Each of my four wheels is going to engage the surface of the road and equally carry the weight of the car to get the adhesive friction the car needs to move forward. This is good news for me as the driver. I want to know that if and when I get on an icy road or stuck in the mud, I have a function of my car that's going to help me get out of that situation and help me get on my merry little way. So if we think in terms of our spiritual lives and the Holy Spirit as our all-wheel drive, what will he use to get us going? In my car, it's the four tires that are doing the work. So are there spiritual tires we can discuss today? Yes, there are. My preparation for this lesson and how I made this conclusion of what these four tires could be is all based on my own personal experiences and walk with God. What has helped me when I needed to gain some spiritual traction? What has helped me in getting that first move down in the right direction? So with that being said, I will discuss these four things that helped me and then I will look at scriptures that address each one. There may be other, quote, tires the Holy Spirit may use in your life to help you get traction. Take these four I'm about to share with you as a good starting point. The four tires I lean on in icy or muddy conditions are four spiritual disciplines that really do help. Yuck, spiritual disciplines. Do you feel like you're back in school? or a teenager in your parents' home? If you don't necessarily prefer the term spiritual disciplines because it reminds you of being disciplined, call them spiritual practices or habits or exercises. It does not matter what we call them. All that matters is that we do them because there are benefits that come with them. It's all an issue of semantics. Okay, enough of that. Let's get to the four tires of the all-wheel drive function. 
The first is knowing God's word. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In Psalm 37, 31 says, The law of his God is in his heart. His feet will not slip. How do you get to the place of knowing God's word? You read scripture, you study it, you know it, you memorize it, pray it, sing it, write it down, obey it. Colossians 3.16 tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I have said it once and I will say it again. The scriptures, the God-breathed words on the page have value, tons of it. It is helpful for our daily lives in the situations and circumstances where we find ourselves. It's not just a nice book to say we own and then place it on the shelf to collect dust. We also can't just pick it up and read it like reading any old novel. We must dwell in scripture. That is, live our lives in it and by it. Allowing it to change how we look at things and how we react, how we think and how we speak. Allowing it to be the sharp double-edged sword that it is, cutting through bone and marrow, cutting to the very heart and soul of who we are. When we know God's word, that is one wheel on the ground ready to carry its share of our weight to get traction. Number two is worship. Psalm 95, one through seven says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Worship is a lifestyle. It is not a segment of time in a church service where songs are sung. There is value in that segment of a service and there is value in corporate worship. Paul in his letter to the churches speaks a great deal to the value of corporate worship. But worship in the words of a popular Christian song is more than a song. It is a way of life, a way of thinking, a way of responding in the midst of icy or muddy situations in life. When we worship God and give him the credit due to him, we take our eyes off of whatever is going on around us and we put our eyes and our focus on him. Bottom line, we will all end up worshiping something or someone. It's the object of our worship that makes all the difference. And as a child of God, our worship should solely be directed to him. I dare say, when we find ourselves in some icy and muddy situations, it's perhaps because we have begun to take our eyes off of God and put it on something else, an unworthy object of our love, affection, and worship. 
be careful. This second wheel is vitally important to have on the ground and to be engaged. Number three is prayer. Psalm 17 verses one through six says, Hear, O Lord, my righteous plea. Listen to my cry. Give ear to my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. May my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart and examine me at night, though you test me, you will find nothing. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. As for the deeds of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept myself from the ways of the violent. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Prayer is simply leaning in to what God has to say about himself and about ourselves. Prayer is not going to God with a list of items we need for him to check off for us or a honey-do list. It's not something we do and then we check the box so that we can have a good day. It's not a time to bargain with God. It is a time to commune with the one who loves you more than anyone else. He wants to tell you things beyond your imagination. If only we would sit still and listen. If only we could be still. Prayer is powerful. James 5.16 tells us that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Jesus himself tells us that prayer is so important to the believer. Not only did he speak about prayer and teach about prayer, he was the living, breathing example of making prayer a priority. A couple of strategies that have helped me is, number one, the acrostic pray, P-R-A-Y. It's a simple format on how to pray. It follows the guidelines Jesus set forth in what is known as the Lord's Prayer found in the book of Matthew chapter 6. P stands for praise. Thank God and praise Him for all He is and all He has done. R is for repent. Confess your sins and ask for forgiveness. A is for ask. Bring your request for those you love and anyone you know who has a spiritual need. And then Y is for yourself. Bring specific requests you have for yourself to God. I have also begun to pray scripture word for word. I would suggest finding prayer passages throughout the scriptures and begin praying those for your family and your friends and yourself. How's your prayer life? If you had to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, what would it be? The good thing is that it does not have to stay at whatever level you think it's at. Start today a little at a time. Prayer is the third wheel to gaining traction. And number four, confession. Psalm 51 verses 1 through 6 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, 
you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Confession is telling God what you have done wrong, how you got yourself into the icy or muddy situation. Basically, confession is taking responsibility for your own sins. Say you are sorry to God and to those you have wronged. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And back in James uh, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The righteous practice confession often and quickly. This is the fourth wheel that needs to be locked in place to get that spiritual traction we need. Last week, we looked at Galatians 5. Let's revisit verse 25. It says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we are living following the Spirit's guidance and keeping in step with Him, being in unison with Him, not getting ahead or too far behind Him, we will want to practice these four spiritual disciplines. These are vital for that traction we so desire in the midst of an icy or muddy circumstance. When we are slipping or bogged down, when we are at our wit's end or just plain stuck. If we activate these four practices on a daily basis, we will get that forward movement we have been wishing for, perhaps for a long time. The Spirit wants to be your all-wheel drive. Will you let Him? Will you put in the work it will take? Will you activate the disciplines? I sure hope so. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and how He is right um, beside us, how He stays close to us, how He works in and through us. And I thank you that you have set forth um, spiritual exercises and habits that really do work in our spiritual lives, that really do have value. God, I pray that my friends and for myself, that we would take time to know your word, that we would make worship part of our lifestyle, that we would pray and have fervent and faithful prayers. And then I pray that we would confess. God, we're n none of us are perfect and we sin each and every day. We sin against you and we sin against others. So help us to have the strength and the courage to confess and then also the courage to make the changes that you guide us to make. God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit can be our all-wheel drive, that when we do find ourselves slipping or stuck, that He is the one that can help us to get on more stable ground 
and to get closer to you. God, I thank you for my friends. I ask that you please bless them this day and in the days ahead. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's go back to Wisconsin. That Wisconsin ski mountain. The ice was too much for the car to handle. The thing is, once my brother-in-law realized we needed to take action with the all-wheel drive, it was too late. We had slipped too far to make a correction and we collided with the car in front of us. Don't be so far down the spiritual or moral slippery icy slope that you cannot correct when you realize you need to. Don't wait until it is too late. Avoid that collision at all costs and activate your safety sense all-wheel drive. Well, y'all, that was the fifth function of the Holy Spirit as our safety sense. I am so glad that you are on this journey with me. Join me next week as we wrap up this series by looking at how the Holy Spirit functions as our intuitive parking assist. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. I sure hope you have been encouraged by our talk. Join me next week for another new episode. Meet me right back here then. If you have been blessed by this podcast, please rate us, subscribe, and share with a friend. I would also love to hear from you. You can email me at berealcarmen at gmail.com. Let me know where you are listening from and how I can be praying for you. This is Carmen. Go be real. The world needs to see it.